This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Of what the Lord is referring to in verse 31, verse 31, the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men which is to call the Holy Ghost Satan. That's what it is. To call the Holy Spirit Satan is to commit moral suicide. And the Lord made it very clear that there would never be forgiveness for calling the Holy Spirit Satan. When he said in verse 32, whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven, neither in this world nor in the world to come. And when the Lord says neither in this world nor in the world to come, he's just emphasizing there would never be forgiveness for calling the Holy Spirit Satan. The world to come might be considered the world after death or the new heavens, the new earth, it doesn't matter. In either case, there would never be forgiveness for calling the Holy Spirit Satan. Now the Bible's clear that there is no forgiveness for sins after death, as can be seen by the rich man who lifted up his eyes in hell when he died and he repented and really wanted forgiveness as he cried out to Abraham with repentance, and then Abraham responded back to him in Luke 16, 26, Luke 16, 26. Abraham said, beside this, beside all this, between us and you, there's a great gulf fixed so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from hence. So the Lord called the work to bring men forgiveness a work of daytime. He called it, it's a work of what you can do in the daytime in life. But he said, when nighttime comes of death, there's no more work of bringing forgiveness to men. He said that in John 9, 4, John 9, 4. I must work the works of him that sent me while it's day, the night cometh when no man can work. The Bible's very clear that only during a person's lifetime can they receive forgiveness of sins? Because after death, it says it's judgment. That's the next thing that happens in Hebrews 9.27, Hebrews 9.27. It's appointed unto men once to die, but after that, the judgment. Now the Lord now goes on to 
talk about the, what's the problem that's causing this progression of sin, getting dangerously close to the ground of the unforgivable sin? And what's the solution? So he says in verse 33, verse 33, either you make the tree good and his fruit good, or else you make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt, the tree's known by his fruit. So the problem is what the Lord calls a corrupt tree. Literally in the Greek, that means a rotten tree, as in dirty, rotten, sinnered. Now, is it the Pharisees, he's saying that, that he's calling what the Pharisees said corrupt fruit or rotten fruit, and the solution to the problem of the rotten tree is producing the, the rotten fruit or the offensive words is he says in verse 33, just make the tree good, and then his fruit will be good. Make the tree good, that's an amazing statement. Make the tree good. Now normally, you cannot make a tree non-rotten. A tree that's rotten is rotten, you know. Recently, I had a palm tree where the top branches of the palm tree were, were falling off, and so we tried everything to try to make the tree come back to life, water, nourishment, but after a while, it became obvious that the tree is not gonna survive. So we cut the palm tree down. We cut it down, first of all, to about four feet off the ground. And it was shocking. You looked inside, it was all rotted out. There was nothing there. It was just, it looked nice on the outside. It looked okay. The outside surface of the tree looked okay. But when you got into the core, you thought, oh, this tree was rotten. It was a rotten tree. Can't make it good. But the Lord says in verse 33, make the tree not rotten. Make the tree, make the rotten tree good and his fruit good. So the Lord is saying here that each person makes their own decision for his own life, which is viewed like a tree when he says, make the tree good and his fruit tree, which is the reason that the Lord told Nicodemus in John 3 7, John 3 7, you, he said to uh, Nicodemus, you must be born again. Now, whether or not Nicodemus would be born again depended on Nicodemus. That's why he said, you must be born again. It was Nicodemus' decision alone whether or not he would be born again. All he had to do was just come to the Lord confessing that he was a dirty, rotten sinner and rely on the Lord to make him born again because the Lord said in John 6.37, John 6.37, him that comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. And that's the way to make the tree good. Verse 33, and it's fruit good. It means a person has to be born again, and that will cure the problem of the sinning more and more from the rotten tree, of the offensive words, of the inching closer and closer to the dangerous ground of the unforgivable sin of blasphemy against the Holy Ghost. And this is very rare. People don't usually do that, you know, call the Holy Spirit Satan. They say a lot of terrible things about Christ, but they, anyway. Now, the Lord addresses the Pharisees directly and he addresses them like John the Baptist addressed them in verse 34 when the Lord said, O generation of vipers, how can ye being evil speak good things? Out of the mouth, you know, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Now, a viper, that's quite a viper. A snake, a viper. Snakes really do have very beautiful skins. You know, they kind of glisten in the sun. They're, they're alluring, which is how they are able to strike their, so many of their preys, like our goats. They were always wanting to see, what is that? That was a deadly curiosity. Because the viper also will lay low in the vegetation. As a matter of fact, down in Loretto, Rosie takes care of the house there. She wanted all the green vegetation cut because the snakes get in there, you know. 
and she wanted just the, some white stand to put there, so that's what we did. Because snakes lay low and they hide in the vegetation. Snakes take time to study their prey. If you ever watched a snake sometime, sometimes they have heat sensors and they will actually move their head back and forth to where the prey is, to track the prey like that. They take time to study their prey to make their strike effective. Vipers very rarely miss in a strike. And then vipers rely on a surprise, quick attack. And then, of course, vipers inject a paralyzing poison into its prey. Now, that's what the Lord's talking about here. The slander that the Pharisees have said is like a viperous venom. And the Lord described, again, what is the problem of why they would say such poisonous things, such rotten things like that. And he says in verse 34, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Now, the word abundance in the Greek there is meaning the overflowing. So out of the overflowing of the heart, the mouth speaks. It's just like saying that the heart is like a glass, and the glass is full. And if you, like each one of us, our hearts are like glass, and our hearts are full. And so if you upset the glass like that, you're gonna find out what's in the glass because the contents are gonna overflow. Like the Pharisees were upset when the people called the Lord the son of David, so the, their full glass was shaken, and then what came out of their, the glass was this statement, well, he's casting out devils by the devil. And that's why the Lord said in verse 34, out of the overflowing of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So when a person's upset, He'll say things that reveal what's really in his heart. That's the terrible part. And now the Lord calls what's in the heart, in fact, treasures. Two types of treasures. He's saying that. Two types of treasures now. A good man, out of the good treasure of the heart, bringeth forth good things. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure, bringeth forth evil things. Okay, so here's, those are the two types of treasures in the heart. They're either what he calls the good treasure of the heart or the evil treasure. Now, the Bible says what the good treasure of the heart is when it says in Colossians 1.27, Colossians 1.27, Christ in you, the hope of glory. When it says in Galatians 1.16, Galatians 1.16, his son in me, in Philippians 2.13, Philippians 2.13, God worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So the good treasure of the heart is the Lord himself that comes into the heart when a person makes the decision to open the door and let Jesus come in. Open the door to the Jesus of Revelation 3.20, Revelation 3.20, who said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. So the Lord Jesus in the heart is the good treasure. That's the good treasure. Now the Bible says that there's the evil treasure of the heart, which is everything that's natural in us is evil, according to Romans 7.18, Romans 7.18. I know that in me, that is in me, dwelleth no good thing. The evil treasure is all of our natural imaginations are evil, according to Genesis 6.5, Genesis 6.5. God saw 
the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually, nonstop. The evil treasure is our natural origin, where we came from. Our origin is evil. Psalm 51.5, Psalm 51.5. Behold, I was shaped in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. The Bible says that our natural righteousness is evil, according to Isaiah 64.6, Isaiah 64.6. We are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf. Our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. And the Bible says our natural thoughts are evil, according to Mark 7.21, Mark 7.21. For within, for from within, out of the heart of men proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders. Well, apart from everything about us and everything in us being evil, we're actually very good. Now the Lord comes back, like I told you, and he's circling back in verse 24, and he says, uh, and he doesn't want to leave that unaddressed, so he's addressing it now, what they said in verse 36. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment, for by thy words thou shalt be justified, by thy words thou shalt be condemned. So here the Lord is addressing what the Pharisees said about the Holy Spirit earlier. And it, just in case, a person might say, oh, well, I really didn't mean it. I didn't mean what I said. It was nothing important what I said. Let's just skip it. Let's just skip it. No, not so. The Lord says in verse 36, 37, the Lord's saying, nope. Every idle word that men shall speak, they will give an account of in the day of judgment. That's why it's a good idea for you and I that every time we get angry, just to count to 10 before you say anything. Just give a little time to put a tiger back in the cage. It reminds me of a man in Scotland. I heard the story. Man in Scotland. And uh, this man in Scotland wanted to hurt this other man. So he told a lot of lies about him all over town. Well, the man that he slandered got sick. And he was upstairs in his house and he was dying, actually. So the slanderer, the man who slandered him, felt guilty and he wanted to get forgiveness. So he went upstairs to visit him on his deathbed. And, and the man who he slandered him, he, he told him how sorry he was of what he did. And he said he was wrong and he asked for forgiveness. And the dying man there just looked at him and said, okay. He says, I just have one thing I want to ask you to do. He says, sure, anything. He says, what? He says, go over to that table and take those scissors. So he took the scissors and then he says, take this pillow from behind my head, this feather pillow. So he took the pillow. He said, go over to the window. He says, go over to the window. He says, now take the scissors and cut the pillow up and shake out all the feathers into the wind. Shook all the feathers out of the wind. Man did that. The dying man said, I forgive you. He said, I forgive you. He says, but if you can go out and collect all those feathers that you scattered in the wind, then you can remove all the damage you caused me. That's the problem with words. That's the problem with words. When the words have been spoken, they're like feathers in the wind. You cannot bring them back again. You forgive them, but you can't undo it. Some of the Pharisees, they said in verse 38, we would see a sign from thee. The Lord quickly said no to this belief system that's got to feed on one sign after another, one miracle after another, on a belief system that craves to see the supernatural. You know, it's supernatural. 
People have to see one miracle, one supernatural miracle after another to prop up their beliefs. The Lord said, no. And instead, the Lord holds up a group of people and a person, both Gentiles, all Gentiles, who displayed what the Lord saw as the Pharisees needed in order to make themselves good. First, there was the Gentiles in verse 20, 41, Gentiles verse 41, the men of Nineveh, they're the Gentiles, shall rise in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonas. Behold, a greater than Jonas is here. So those men of Nineveh represent those who are spiritually and culturally very far from God, but they represent those who are eager to respond to God's call to repent. And he's really saying here, by bringing up the men of Nineveh of all people, the Gentiles, those who are nearest to the gospel oftentimes are those who despise it the most. And the men of Nineveh were at the head of the line to repent from their sins, and they were the farthest from God's forgiveness from the gospel. And we can imagine the men of Nineveh, after they repented, they might have looked back on Israel, and they might have asked the question, how come they're not in sackcloth and ashes? You know? That's why he said in verse 31, the men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonas. There was just no repentance, the Lord was seeing, of so many in Israel during the Lord's day. And so then the Lord said, behold, a greater than Jonas is here. Now, Jonah is a picture of a man in the Bible, of a man who suffered and a man who had a lot of sorrows. Picture of sorrowing, and suffering, sorrows and suffering. Because he's in the belly of the whale, there the fish, no, it doesn't mean whale, the belly of the fish. So when it comes to suffering and sorrows, that's Jonah. And the Lord says, a greater than Jonah, means that the Lord suffered more, and had more sorrows than Jonah, Isaiah 53.3, Isaiah 53.3, he's despised and rejected a man, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Isaiah 52, 14, Isaiah 50, 14, as many were astonished at thee, his visage was so marred more than any man and his form more than the sons of men. Lamentations 1.12, Lamentations 1.12, behold and see if there be any sorrow like unto my sorrow, which is done unto me. Now the second Gentile that the Lord brings up for them, but second, well, there's another person who is a Gentile, and he presents to that to him, is then verse 42, when he says, you Pharisees need to copy, verse 42, the queen of the south shall rise up in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it, for she came from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and behold, the greater than Solomon is here. Now, the queen of the south, it represents those who are physically far from God's witness, physically very far. Uh, she's called of the South, and she came from afar, which means that she was far from God, but she had a great longing for God, a great longing for God. So she came from a far country, and she had to go through a lot of difficulties on the way to get there. I mean, robbers and drought and sandstorms. And we can imagine that at each step of those difficulties that she said, it's worth it, it will be worth it, I'll press on. She had no invitation from Solomon to come. She just pressed on to hear. She's very much like that woman of Canaan in, in Matthew 15, 22. Matthew 15, 22.
Behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. But he answered her, Not a word. Well, that's a big obstacle. Obstacle number one, she's a woman of Canaan. Obstacle number two, he doesn't respond. His disciples came and besought her, saying, besought him, saying, send her away. Obstacle number three, the disciples are saying, get rid of her, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I'm not sent unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Obstacle number four, he says, this is not for you. Then came she and worshiped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, it's not me to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. Obstacle number five, she's just been called a dog. And she said, truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee as thou wilt. Her daughter was made whole from that very hour. So she had all of these obstacles, but she pressed forward indirectly. The Lord is saying to these Pharisees, you take a step toward me, I know what you're gonna lose. Yes, you can count on losing your wife. Yes, you can count on losing your children. Yes, you can count on losing your family and your community, probably your house, your employment. Yes, you'll lose it all. Big obstacles. But it was worth it to that woman of Canaan. It was worth it to that Queen of Sheba. And I guarantee you, it'll be worth it for you. That's the message he's sending to them, the Pharisees. Just like the wise men, more Gentiles, just like the wise men who came to see the Lord in Matthew 2.1, Matthew 2.1, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east. We got Queen of Seba from the south, we got this woman of Canaan, and now we got wise men from the east. To Jerusalem, saying, where is he that is born king of the Jews? We've seen a star in the east and are come to worship him. Can you imagine how shocked the wise men were not to have found a path beaten from Jerusalem to Bethlehem? Can you imagine the Queen of the South saying, I'm surprised to not find a long line of people here waiting to hear Solomon's wisdom? And that's why he said in verse 32, the Queen of the South shall rise up in judgment with this generation, shall condemn it. She came from the uttermost parts of earth to hear, but there, was no, there wasn't a desire in Israel to hear what the Lord had to say. And then the Lord says in verse 42, behold, a greater than Solomon is here. Now, when you think about Solomon, the Bible says in Luke 12, 27, Luke 12, 27, that consider the lilies, how they grow, they toil not, they spin night, spin not. Yet I say unto you that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. So Solomon is known for his glory and the Lord has more glory. So Jonah is known for his suffering and his sorrows and the Lord had more suffering and sorrows. He's greater. And Solomon was known for his glory, and the Lord had more glory. The Lord had the greatest sorrow. The Lord had the greatest glory. Actually, the Father gave the Lord Jesus the greatest glory because he had the greatest sorrow. That's the meaning behind Philippians 2.7, Philippians 2.7, when it says, The Lord made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men, being found in fascism of men, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. That's the greatest sorrow. Wherefore, God hath also highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. That's the greatest glory. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for our Lord Jesus Christ. We really do admire him. And uh, we learn from him. He's our teacher. And we love him this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.